Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're watching this during the week, or you're watching from home as well, a warm welcome to you. Uh, let's take a moment to greet one another. Uh, if you're here on site, you can turn to your neighbor and give them a wave. Uh, if you're online, you can write into the chat uh, greetings, and our moderators will be online to respond to your comments during the chat. Um, so please stand as you're willing and able, and join me in the call to worship. Come in. Come in and sit down. You are a part of the family. We are, we are lost, lost, and we are found, and we are, found, and and we we are, are a part, part of the family. family. We know, God, that we who have gathered here are a part of the family, but we also know that the family is much bigger still. There are people we don't understand. There are people we disagree with. There are people who don't like. And there are people who don't like us. Challenge us, God, to expand our vision of family until we see all of creation as one big family. Amen. So I invite you to remain standing as we join our hearts and voices together in time of worship. The center of the King Clothed in majesty All the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice you wrap yourself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at your voice Trembles at your voice How great is our Yeah. 
the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. Uh, please be seated. Uh, good morning, church. My name is Mark, and I'll be your guide for prayer today. Uh, I'll be starting with a period of settling in uh, before corporate prayer, and then I'll also give you some time, times of silence, to just um, offer up your own prayers uh, to God. Okay? So um, let's close our eyes and prepare ourselves um, for prayer. As you close your eyes and settle into your breath, I ask that you do not rush, but rest in the presence of God. I'd like to invite everyone to enjoy and savor each breath. And as you breathe in and out, in and out, sink deeper into the presence of God. the God of many names, you are ever-present in our midst. You are the one who sees us, knows us, and feels us. You are present in our joy, but also present in our sorrow. You are present in our victories, but also present in our losses. Lord, you are the abiding presence of comfort who guides us. When we are lost, you comfort us, guide us, and bring us back to you.
Thank you for comforting us, encouraging us when we are weak, admonishing us when we lose our way. You are joyful for those who follow you, but also wastefully giving and loving to those who are lost. Thank you, Lord, for loving us beyond what words can describe and in ways that we often fail to comprehend. Lord, hear the prayers of those who may be struggling financially, whether in terms of finding work or finding it hard to cope with the rising cost of living, and for our siblings who are coping with health issues, as well as those providing caregiving support, we ask for your continual support, comfort, wisdom, strength, and healing. As we learn to love each other, help us not to be dismayed or disheartened or to fall into old habits. Instead, teach us, guide us, rebuke us when we need it, and encourage us so that as broken as the world may be, we can help each other experience your divine presence in tangible ways to be a testament of love and a taste of heaven to ourselves, to each other, and to the world beyond the walls of this church. Hear us, Lord, each one of us, as we take the next few moments to lift up our personal prayers to you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. In our thanksgiving, our confessions, our petitions, and our pleas, Lord, we surrender to your will and trust that all that happens works out for the good of all who call upon your holy name. 
All this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Rewrite your story of love for me. I would not forget those moments of doubts. If I could rewrite your story of love for me, I would not erase those times of struggle, those moments of doubting myself. And blaming you for all my brokenness Those moments I wrestled myself And you for the answers For a little hope Then I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope For you Your story of love for me I would not forget those moments of doubts If I could rewrite your story of love for me I would not erase those times of struggle Those moments of doubting myself and blaming you for all my brokenness Those moments I wrestled myself And blame you for the answers For a little hope Then I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn to you and so I saw that I was born free when you touched me on my side when my eyes were open to you and so I saw that I was born free then I will remember 
When you became real to me When you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I am an anchor of love I am a beacon of hope For you I will remember I will remember When you became real to me When you would not turn away When you would not turn away I will remember I will remember I am an anchor of love Good morning and welcome to FCC. You know, every time I, we sing that song, um, I cannot help but kind of tear a little bit. I still remember the first time I heard this song when I was in FCC and it just spoke so much of my heart and my experience and I'm, I'm sure so many of us share that as well. And I pray that God continues to be real to all of us through our time of worship, through a time where we listen to the Word of God. And today we are very, very um, privileged and excited uh, to have one of our leaders, Alvin, uh, share the sermon with us this morning. Alvin has always struck me as someone um, full of conviction, someone who is really gifted in many different ways. And I say why he's someone full of conviction is because when he joined us in FCC in uh, 2013, he's one of the actually first few straight allies who decided to join FCC because he could not take the rhetoric uh, that was within his own church at that time. And he said, no, I cannot accept that. I cannot accept that God does not include all. And so that's the reason why he came to FCC, you know. And, and then that started a whole process. I mean, he came with his friend at that time. It started a whole process of many other straight allies actually joining FCC over the past few years. So, you know, it's been really a gift, you know, having him. He joined us in uh, 2013, and then in 2014, he left to go do his PhD in the US. And of course, once he finished and when he was ready to come back, we were all ready to welcome him. And we said, you know, Alvin, we have all these like, young adults who need help. <laughs> okay, we, we have this young adults ministry. Would you come back? Would you lead this young adults ministry? And he said, yes, very readily, right? And we were so thankful for him. And he was naturally gifted for that role um, because, you know, while he was in um, doing his PhD, he was actually taking care of a lot of the students there. Uh, he was also very involved in uh, interfaith work and interfaith dialogue during his time of his studies. And I think that really expanded him for all that he is. He's a very, he's a young man, but he has full, he's full of insight and so many things that I think he could teach us as well. So I want you to warmly welcome Alvin uh, to the pulpit for the very first time today.
Thanks, Pauline. It's, uh, it's very nice to be here. All right. Just give me a second. Okay, so today's sermon will be based on Luke 15. This is where Jesus tells three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. So today we'll be using Menti for you all to uh, interact with the questions that will be asked. So uh, use the browser on your computer or on your mobile device and go to fcc.la slash Menti. Or you can, uh, I think there was a QR code just now that you could have scanned, but anyways. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I, I really like the parables. The, the, the parables, I think, is uh, there's always something new. No matter how many times I read or hear about a parable, there's always a new angle, a new perspective, a new way of looking at things. So I want to share some of the, the recent uh, perspectives that I've, uh, uh, I've learned and uh, I hope that uh, it will be useful for you. So one, one parable can be uh, looked in many different angles and uh, let's just jump in. Let's jump into the first parable, um, the parable of the lost sheep. I have never done this before, so uh, Pauline, could you help me advance the slide? Yeah. No, don't delete. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> we will make sure not to. All right. Thanks, Pauline. So which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Just so I tell you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So let me ask you, what comes to mind when you hear the phrase, lost sheep? This is a menti post, so you can start uh, entering your answers on your devices. Where do you think you have uh, heard this phrase? Where else other than this parable? Where do you first hear, hear it? Um, where, what images come to mind when you hear the phrase lost sheep? Do you think of a specific person or a specific thing? <laughs> Blur, alone, sinners, misguided, straight, forgotten. <laughs> Don't know God, vulnerable, church, troubled souls, no purpose, love of God, oppressed, lost, disappointed and lost, wilderness, yeah, the, the sheep were in the wilderness, disappointed and lost, non-believer, 
Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts with me. Um, and if I could share, um, share mine. When I was growing up in Sunday school, I was taught what I think seems to be the traditional Christian interpretation of uh, this parable, that Jesus is the shepherd, people are the lost sheep. To return to Jesus then is to be found. There's also this interpretation that we've seen in the poll just now that this story somehow is about sin. And uh, this seems to be the interpretation that the author of Luke wants to do for us. Luke 15, 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So the lost sheep has a connotation of sin. Well, I think that sometimes people of other faiths um, can help us see our own sacred text in a whole new way. New Testament scholar Amy Jill Levine, an Orthodox Jew herself, asked some very interesting questions in her book, Short Stories by Jesus. Firstly, where in this story is sin committed? Did the sheep sin by getting lost? The sheep just got lost. It's a sheep. It's what sheep do. <laughs> and if even if the loss of a sheep is a sin, the human, the person in this parable, is not sin repenting. So then, is it possible to arrive at a more critical understanding of this parable? Well, first I would like to ask, why do we say that the sheep represents people? If you esteem yourself to be sheep, then what does that say? If you came to church one day and uh, someone told you that you are sheep, then what does that say about the church? <laughs> Secondly, I'd like to ask, why do we interpret that Jesus is the shepherd? Indeed, where is the shepherd in this parable? The whole chunk of it is up there. Although this story is uh, narrated by Jesus, if you read it carefully, there's nothing in this parable itself that suggests that Jesus is the shepherd. In fact, the word shepherd doesn't even appear in this parable. I think instead, what Jesus is asking us to do is to imagine yourself as the caretaker of the sheep. The parable starts, which one of you, which one of you having a hundred sheep? So what if the key to understanding this parable is to not think of Jesus as the shepherd, but to put ourselves in the shoes of a person who has a hundred sheep? And that's what we're going to do. <laughs> so I have here on this slide, on one side, a hundred sheep, and on the other side, 99 sheep. Can you tell on which side has 99 sheep? Which side is missing one sheep? We'll now do a vote. <laughs> <laughs> so go on to Menti, vote for um, whichever side that you estimate or you think or you notice has uh, 99 sheep. I had a lot of fun making those slides, by the way. <laughs> Left side, right side, right side, right side seems to be winning. 
Right side, more right side. Left side. <laughs> Left side catching up. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a life experiment. The scientist in me is happy. Huh. Okay. It looks like uh, most of you, well, slightly more of you think that it's the, the right side. And the right side is the right side. <laughs> but as we, can, as, as we can see, it's pretty difficult to differentiate between 99 sheep and uh, 100 sheep. The, the answers are almost split 50-50. It's pretty much a, a coin toss, right? Um, and I imagine it'll be even more difficult if you had live sheep that are moving around. So I think the lesson here is this. To first find something you must first notice that it was lost. Well, maybe this sounds obvious, but we have just seen how difficult it is to notice that something is missing, especially when you have so many. What Jesus is telling here, I think, is that out of many, even the lost 1% must be found. So now, let's move on to the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So I think the common interpretation of this parable is that the woman represents Jesus, the coin rep represents lost people, um, you know, Jesus would go out and look for us, he would find the, the missing 10%. But uh, I'd like to ask the question, what if the key to understanding this parable is to try to hear this as a first century listener would have heard it? Well, that's what we're going to try to do through data. We first have to understand that light in the first century was really expensive compared to what we have today. And I learned this only last week from a podcast called Planet Money about how technological innovation has reduced the cost of artificial light and made it accessible to all. The economist William Nordhaus found that in 1750 BCE, before Common Era or before Christ, during the Babylonian era, people used oil lamps, and one hour of oil would cost as much as, as 500 hours of labor to produce the oil or to buy the oil. Then, fast forward to, the eight, uh, to 1800, the era of candles, one hour of light would then cost around 50 hours of labor. In 1880, the era of gas lamps, one hour of light would then cost three hours of labor. And today, with electricity and our energy-efficient bulbs, one second of labor buys us one hour of light. So Jesus was born around the year zero, and during that time, we can estimate that one hour of light would have cost about 100 hours of labor. So then, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, 
does not sweep the house, light the lamp, does not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. First person, century person would think, nobody would do that. One silver coin or one denarius is about one day's of wages. So one workday would consist of roughly 10 hours of work, 10 hours of labor because you're limited by natural daylight. To find the missing coin, the oil that the woman would have to burn would cost as much as, if not more than, the remaining nine coins that she had left. This means this parable is not about wealth recovery. It's not about just finding the coin. It has to be about something else. Well, this is just such a short story that there's only one other part of the parable. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Like the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin has these themes of lost search, completion, and joy. However, author Amy Jill Levin points out a shift so simple, so subtle, that when I first read it, I was actually quite startled that I had not seen this before. The caretaker of the sheep says, I have found my lost sheep. The woman who lost her coin says, I have found the coin that I had lost. The addition here is that I had lost. Unlike the guardian of the flock, the woman claims responsibility for her loss. And I would like to highlight that she does not just claim responsibility verbally over this loss. She's willing to do something about it. Her sense of setting things right is so strong, so extreme, that she will do whatever it takes to set things right, even if the cost is very high, even if it doesn't seem to make sense. Yet, this is the standard that Jesus seems to be calling us to. So the lesson here is this. Yes, we can celebrate when we have found what we have lost, but can we also admit our responsibility in the losing? Moreover, moreover are we willing to do whatever it takes, whatever the cost, to set things right. And if somebody can admit their responsibility over losing something, then how much more important it is to take responsibility if we have lost someone. And that brings us to the parable of the lost son. So this is such a long parable that... Uh, and it's such a familiar one, instead of reading through the text, um, let's recap. A man has two sons. The younger son asks for a share of the inheritance and leaves home for a foreign land. And this younger son then runs out of the money and uh, he then has to feed pigs to earn a living. But he can't take the hard work, so he decides that he'll go back to his father and he, he will say that, you know, father, hire me as a hired hand. And the father, while uh, he saw his son still in the distance, runs towards his son 
and uh, welcomes his son back and uh, decides to throw a celebration. While the celebration was still going on, the eldest son was still in the field. And when this eldest son comes back to the house, he finds out about this celebration. He becomes angry and he refuses to go back to the house. The father then goes out of the house to plead with this, this uh, elder son. So like the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, here there is a loss and there is a celebration. But this story just ends without resolution. It ends just with this angry elder son and this father out in, outside of the house pleading with this angry son. We are then left wondering which one of the two sons was truly lost to begin with. Was it the younger one who went astray but returned? Or the elder son who stayed but harbored feelings of resentment? Also notice, notice that uh, this prodigal father throws a banquet to celebrate reunion. But this banquet fails to manufacture resolution within the family. Even as this father threw this banquet, he even forgot to tell his older son, which was still out in the field working. And I can't help but wonder if it's this kind of negligence that led to the elder son feeling estranged within his own father's house. Moreover, notice how the final conversation between the elder son and the father went. The elder son, he answered his father, Listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Now if you forget for just one second the notion that somehow the traditional interpretation that the, 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 the father in this story represents uh, God the Father, if we start to think, wonder, could this person, this father in this story be just a father and not a very good father, then what do we start to notice? The father said to the son, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. And I wonder... Really, all that is mine is yours? Then, how come you never gave your son this young goat to celebrate with his friends? This sounds to me like this father is trying to deny the experience that his elder son is trying to convey to him. It's almost as if this father is trying to say, hey, things are not as bad as you are making out to be. Now come back and in the house, don't make a scene. Doesn't this sound a bit like gaslighting? Today, in the wake of the announcement of the repeal of 377A, we have religious groups calling for unity. Straits Times reported, religious groups have called for unity and constructive dialogue following the announcement that the law that criminalizes sex between men will be repealed. We have church releasing statements. The National Council of Churches in Singapore said, in order that we remain as one people, we call on the church 
to maintain social, the social cohesion that we have enjoyed in Singapore. The Methodist Church in Singapore said, we pray for unity in our country. We have seen such decisions divide and destroy other societies. But I'm thinking, isn't this like the father in the parable, trying to plaster over some very deep and profound hurts in the name of unity? Isn't this like the father in the parable saying, things are not as bad as you're making out to be? Isn't this like saying to the LGBT community, like, you're blowing things up out of proportion? I bet that, just like the father in the parable, most churches in Singapore don't even know who is hurting under their roofs. And it's not just LGBTQ people that are hurting. Straight people are hurting too. I am a straight person. And before I came to FCC, I had been hurt in the church that I had grown up with over their stance on 377A. You see, I grew up in a small family church. You know, the kind that, where everybody knows everyone. You call your elders, uncle, auntie. You went to Sunday school with their children. You grew up, went to youth ministry, graduated to the adult cell groups. And basically, lived together, celebrated together supported each other through the times. Well, one day, I went to church on what I thought would be a typical Sunday. It turned out that there was a guest preacher from this organization called Love Singapore. And the title of that sermon was The House of Prayer. Turns out, the actual sermon had nothing to do with that. That sermon was the single most disturbing thing I've ever heard. From the pulpit, the preacher called LGBT persons evil, sick, deviant, intimidating. She said that there was a homosexual agenda out to destroy families, out to destroy society. By that time, I had friends from university who had come out to me as gay. And I knew they were nothing like that. You know what? This, this preacher's organization was called Love Singapore. It's clear to me, it's obvious, that is not love. That is bearing false testimony. That is mischaracterizing. That is slandering. That is vilifying. That is despising. That is hate. Not love. So I stood up. I stood up and left in the middle of the sermon in protest. I knew I was walking away. And I walked away from the community that I had known for the longest time. And I had lost many friends that day. Friends that I had grown up with friends that I had Bible study with, celebrated birthdays, went to funerals, commiserated over lousy exam results. 
played ultimate frisbee with, football, week after week. Friends whom I thought we would, as they say in those circles, do life together. How mistaken I was. And you know what? You know what? I, I tried. I tried to reach back out to the pastor of the church to have a conversation, to talk. And we talked. We arrived at the stage where the, the pastor said that the church would no longer pursue support of 37A because it was a divisive issue that could derail the church. He said that the best way forward was to have constructive dialogue. The best way forward was to reach out to the LGBTQ community to try to understand each other. Very similar to statements that you see churches are making today. Then, when I offered the chance to dialogue with LGBT persons, the pastor said, it's not my calling for this season. There's no further need for me to engage in this issue. In this issue. Not my calling for this season. I responded, aren't we supposed to be fruitful in season and out of season? Isn't that what was said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2? His hypocrisy hurt me quite deeply and his empty promises too. So the pastor chickened out, fine. But when I reached out to my, my friends from church, they started to view me with suspicion. One friend whom I had worked closely with in the youth ministry said that I had an agenda. I was the one that came to church one day not knowing what was going to be preached and suddenly I had an agenda. Another friend whom I had bumped into in a shopping mall and I tried to him, when I tried to talk to him, he wouldn't even look me in the eye. So, when I saw the recent statement from churches calling for unity, it reminded me of my experience with my old church, superficially patching over things in the name of unity, but ignoring the very deep and profound wounds that they have caused. By kicking people out, cutting them off, stonewalling, conversion therapy, making people hate themselves. Are churches now going to start to pretend that all of that never happened? That it was not as bad as it was? Is this not like the prodigal father who brushed aside the grievances of his angry elder son with talk of reconciliation? Doesn't the prodigal father owe his elder son an apology? If churches are genuine about what they say about unity, then let them make good of their word and come forward for dialogue. Just like the banquet that the prodigal father throws, it is meaningless, meaningless to gesture for unity, but forget that there are people hurting. In summary, we have looked through three parables of loss. A man has 100 sheep and he loses one of them. Remarkably, he notices. 
A woman has 10 coins and loses one of them. Remarkably, she takes responsibility. And she does not just say it, she does something about it. She's willing to bear the cost to do whatever it takes to make things right. A man has two sons. Remarkably, does not even know which son is lost. The parable of the lost son also tells us not to neglect who in our midst might be hurting, even if they might be the ones in plain view. It also tells us that the work of reconciliation requires deep, genuine action. You can't just make gestures, use the language of unity to try to plaster over deep wounds. And what is true for churches at large is also true for our individual lives. What are your lost sheep? Your lost coins? Lost persons? What's stopping you from going after them? Are you waiting for an apology? Don't wait. You might never get one. Are you waiting for the strength to forgive? Why are you waiting? Are you waiting for wounds to heal? Or are you avoiding doing the difficult thing? Are you willing to make things right, no matter the cost? What I've learned in FCC is that forgiveness is not about forgetting what happened. It's not about letting people off the hook. We can forgive, yet hold people accountable. Forgiveness is about freeing yourself from resentment. Unforgiveness harms nobody but yourself. So, if you are ready, and if it's safe for you to do so, I encourage you to go. Take the initiative. Extend an invitation. Text them. Have lunch. Do something. If reconciliation happens, great. If not, maybe you have started a process that leads to reconciliation. And the road to reconciliation can be long. I know this. I've left my church for nine years already, and some questions still linger. I wonder if my old church saw me as the sinner, the lost sheep. If so, why did nobody follow up with me after all these years? Did they perhaps actively choose not to notice, to try to unsee what they have seen? I also wonder why, unlike the woman who lost her coin, my old church never took responsibility. I had confronted the church committee about what happened, but I was met only with silence. Did they think that engaging with me would cost too much energy, that it would cost too much time? I also wonder if, like in the parable of the lost son, there are other people in my old church who are hurting, but are being ignored. Will I ever have reconciliation with my old church? I don't know. 
I don't know. But I have hope. Recently, I bumped into an uncle from my old church. He used to be a youth mentor while I was a youth there. And uh, we made plans and we met up for Prata. We talked about the old times and we caught up with what was new. I told him that I now lead the young adult group at FCC and he knows who we are. He knows what we stand for. I told him that I had learned a lot from him when he was a mentor. I learned a lot from his approach with youth and thanked him for his dedication and his influence. But I now walk my own path and hopefully that path leads to reconciliation. Amen. I'm, I'm still touched from the <laughs> sermon just now, so please give me a second. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means that you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. God of mercy and justice, be with us. We lift our hearts to you, not because we have to, not because we are supposed to, but because it's how we respond to your unconditional love because it feels good to know we are loved. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your mercy, of how you gave food to the poor, clothes to the naked, and shelter to the lost. As long as there have been people to tell them, our ancestors in faith have shared stories of your justice, of how, of how you, you gave freedom, freedom to the enslaved, opportunity to the outcast, and peace to the, the war-torn. You acted with both mercy and justice, rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, providing them with manna when they were hungry. And your people acted with both mercy and justice, like, like the, the prophets, prophets who cried out to care for widow, orphan, and foreigner, and those who those provided food, shelter, and community. You have shared your mercy and justice with us, not only as gift to be received from you, 
but as gift that we are to share with the world. We see this gift most clearly in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus showed us what a life of mercy and justice looked like. In mercy, he gave food to the hungry. With justice, he broke social custom and shared tables with the powerful and the lowly at once. In mercy, he cared for the sick. With justice, he broke religious custom and healed on the Sabbath. In mercy, he had compassion for the poor. With justice, he spoke out against the empire that held them in poverty. In mercy, he washed his disciples' feet. With justice, he died without protest to expose a corrupt system. On the night he was handed over to the unjust system that killed him, he protested by sharing a meal with his friends. There, he took bread, gave thanks for God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friend, then called them to remember the injustice of his broken body every time they ate bread. After they ate, he took the cup, gave thanks to God's mercy in providing it, shared God's mercy by giving it to his friends, then called them to remember the injustice of his spilled blood every time they drank wine. But that, but that wasn't, wasn't all. all. God's mercy and justice burst forth when Jesus died, and his resurrection gave hope to all those who hunger for mercy and thirst for justice. God will always equip those who seek to share mercy and justice. Even death cannot stop God's incredible grace. So we ask God's Holy Spirit to be poured out on this meal on this gift of mercy, bread and juice, that we may remember Jesus' ministry of mercy and justice, that this gift of mercy may become for us the body and blood of Christ, so that we may show mercy and do justice, not just for ourselves, but for the transformation of the world. I now invite the shepherd to come.
Let us partake the elements with gratefulness. want to stand as you are willing and able. God, through this meal, we pray that your grace would empower us to do justice, to offer mercy, and to do so with humility. You have given us your Son as an example, and your Holy Spirit as advocate. Give us the courage to do your work in the world. Amen. can sit. Thank you. So thank you, Elvin, for that very moving sermon. I think I'm still processing it myself. It, it gives us so much to think about. I guess when you think about how the things that were lost were precious, right? And the people who search for them, recognize that. But so often in this world, we get lost, and nobody came to search for us. We were not deemed precious enough. But in God's eyes, we are precious. And so when I think of God, like looking down and seeing, there's a sheep out there who's hurting, and no one is going to search for that sheep. God's heart is grieved. And so I'm glad that for all of us here, I hope you have been found in some way, even if you were lost. Uh, and so welcome to this uh, Sunday service of Free Community Church again, where free stands for first, realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you're welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your socioeconomic status, or any of the labels the world puts on you. So to all those who are joining us for the first time or regular worshipers, welcome home. My name is David, and I'm the service leader today. And so if, um, if the sermon has blessed you, or if our worship service has blessed you, and you're watching online, please give our video a like, uh, click, link, you know, click subscribe so you can hear our sermons every Sunday. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, and I think there are some people who may be here who are new, uh, we, welcome, we invite you to scan this QR code and leave your details so we can get in touch with you, or you can also do that at fcc.la welcome. And so we promise we won't spam you. It's just a way for our staff, our pastors, to uh, reach out to you and say hi. We also have a newcomers meeting every, uh, at the last Sunday of every month. And so the next one is coming up on the 25th of September. This will be a short, maybe 30-minute thing after the service. And you can get to meet some of our leaders and pastors and learn more about our history, our theology, ask any questions you have of us. And so if you're interested in that, you can... Sign up at info at freecomchurch.org. Okay, so um, every month we give an update on the budget, and we have some amazing, amazing news. I mean, this is, just look at that, it's uh, quite a miracle. I was almost thinking of the time of Elisha, when Elisha blessed this widow's um, bottle of oil, right? And you keep pouring the oil, and the oil just keep pouring. And so it feels like something like that has happened Basically, uh, what happened was last month, we received an anonymous donation 
which was a quite a sizable amount. As you can see, it's actually put both of our budgets well into uh, ahead of where they should be. So thank you, whoever you are, thank you to you. And thanks to God for God's provision for us. Um, but just, uh, I guess the danger of this is that now we think, oh, actually we're so comfortable, uh, we can just relax now. <laughs> Well, yes, in, one, in some way we can, but what we would like to encourage you to do is please continue giving as you have regularly been doing, because what this will do is, uh, for the last five years, actually, we've been running a very, very lean budget. Like, at the end of the year, we always say, oh, what ministries can we cut because we can't make the budget? So it's been a, quite a tough year, especially during COVID. Um, even our pastors had to take a, we, you know, there was a time when they couldn't even receive a salary increase or any bonus because we just couldn't afford it. So having this uh, surplus, it's really a blessing. I think at the end of the year, this will help us to replenish our cash reserves that we have been depleted over the last five years. It will also help us when we plan ahead for the next year. We can even consider possibly starting new ministries or uh, expanding our impact. So we really do thank uh, all of you for your generous uh, support for our church. Uh, and we, uh, we ask that you continue to do so, even though we are now comfortably in a surplus for this month. So there are two ways you can give. Uh, as always, you can always scan the QR codes. One of them goes to our general fund, which is for our staff salaries and operating expenses. The other goes to our building fund, which is for the, to pay the mortgage on this place. And you can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. That one does have a 1.5% platform fee. And as always, we encourage, if you are a regular giver, um, we encourage you to set up a standing um, donation so that you don't have to take out your phone and scan this week after week, but you can just decide how much you want to give and then just let the bank do the transfer on a regular basis. Because this will also help our church to have a more uh, stable financial footing so that our funds are not fluctuating so wildly from week to week. So um, please join me as we pray for the offering now. Dear God, we give you thanks for your bountiful provision through your people and through the generosity of your people and those who love you. And we pray that we would be good stewards of everything you've entrusted to us, that we may use it to seek and find those who, have lo who are lost, those who have been abandoned by their churches, by society, that they may come to know how much you love them, how much you care for them, and that in this community, they may find a place of safety, a place of belonging, a place where they may flourish. So we pray for your strength and your guidance and your wisdom to continue in this work. And we ask you to bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. So I now invite the stewards to come forward to take up the offering. If you are here on site and you would like to drop some cash or check in the bag, please raise your hand and the stewards will come to you. So uh, while the stewards are going around, we have a few announcements. Okay, the first announcement, and this one's in Chinese, but I'm, my Chinese isn't that good, so I'm not going to try to say it in Chinese. But basically what it is, it's, uh, it's a uh, teaching session on the Lord's Prayer and how you can access, I guess, greater blessings from God through the Lord's Prayer. There's already been one session, which was, uh, I think, a, week, a few weeks ago, and the next one is coming up on the 25th of September. So this will be the final session from 1 to 3.30 p.m. And if you're interested, you can sign up at info at freecomchurch.org. We are also looking for volunteers to join the production ministry. So over the last two years, 
I guess putting out this weekly broadcast has become a thing now. Uh, and it's actually quite a lot of work. There are people up there who are doing the slides, doing the cameras, doing all the broadcast sound and everything. And we do need people to help so that uh, we can give our volunteers a break as well. So if you're at all called to serve and you have the heart, you don't even need to have the skills. You will be trained. So if, but if you just think, oh, I want to see what it's about, then you can sign up at info at freecomchurch.org. And usually what we'll do is we'll invite you for a behind-the-scenes tour so you can see what what kind of jobs are needed and how you can um, take part in that. Uh, we also have membership class coming up on 21st September. So being a member, it's like if you feel FCC is your home, you know, it's a place you come every Sunday and you feel, okay, I, this is my home church, then yeah, please sign up as a member. It's, uh, it's just it's a way of indicating that I have committed to be part of this church, to both be served by this church, but also to give back, to serve the church and be part of the family. It also allows you to vote at the annual general meeting. So if you want to do that, you can sign up at fcc.la slash membership. Sign up by the 18th of September, and the class will be on the 21st September at 7.30 p.m. Um, FCC's anniversary service is also coming up. So we are coming up to our 19th year as a church, and this will be celebrated on 2nd of October We'll have, uh, I guess, some food. There'll be a banquet, so please join us for that as well. And then this week, we have lunch kakis. Uh, so lunch kakis is a way for us to welcome, especially newcomers. You, maybe you come in here and you don't know anybody. And then after church service is over, everyone's talking, and then you're like, oh, no, I don't know anyone. I guess I'll just sneak away. I mean, that's been an experience in a lot of churches when you come in and you don't know. So lunch kakis is a, is a way for you to have lunch with someone. Uh, and the designated someone is Chua, so at uh, the back of the hall. So if you want to have lunch with someone, you can approach Chua after the service. And then usually we all go eat lunch at the coffee shop, so Chua will bring you down there and uh, take you for lunch. And so now I invite Pastor Pauline to give us the benediction. And now will you rise as you're willing and able for the benediction. Loving God, by your grace, we have been lost and then found. As those who have been found, God, help us take note of those who may still be lost, those who are hurting in our midst, those who need someone to reach out to them. Help us not only take notice, but also take responsibility so that we can step up, reach out, and love all those whom you love, all those who break your heart, God. Help us to feel that same heartache as you send us out. And so now go. Go as God's beloved to search and to find other people who are beloved as well, so that they may know how precious they are in God's eyes. Go, and may God's grace go with you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. We hope that God will continue to work in you, continue to speak to you even in the coming week. Have a blessed week ahead. <laughs>